We can reset our computers. Some of us know how to reset our phones. You can reset your coffee maker. Some of your coffee makers, you can do that. But the big question is, can we reset our souls? And that's really what we're, we're talking about. And there's some indicators when you and I do need a reset for our soul. And sometimes it's because we're not who we are supposed to be or who we are or we're not who we could be. So you guys grew up together? Yeah, since third grade. What are you looking at? I wasn't looking at anything. We're not good enough for you. You look for something else? No, I, just, I don't know. What, what are you, big that? supermodels? Oh, yeah. Who's us? Supermodels? What are you modeling, gloves? What are you doing? A girl's totally into me. Brad, eat a Snickers. Why? Because you get a little angry when you're hungry. Better? Better. So, ladies. So, losers. Stacy, relax. I'm sorry. You're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfies. Fourth down, coach. What do we do? I'll tell you what we do. I want you to go on the field. Look for anything with an O. Let's kill them! With kindness. Jimmy, I want you to make balloon animals. Tyler, make little tea cozy. Something fun. Are you okay? <laughs> we will win this for Mother Russia! Coach, eat a Snickers. Why is that you? You get a little loopy when you're hungry. Better. Better. Now let's go for it! Yeah! Go get them, guys! You're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfies. Being hungry, or hangry as they say, is one thing when that's physically. It's another thing when it's spiritually. When you and I find ourselves in that place where we're not being satisfied spiritually, when our heart is off a little bit, we see it showing up in, in various ways. Solomon wrote about this as he was trying to, in a sense, fill his heart, fill his soul. And some of us who are familiar with that story see him starting off on a, in, you know, on a path, walking with God, and then he gets off the rails and goes after everything, trying to fill the appetite of his heart. And he writes this uh, later on in his life. He says, we work to feed our appetites. Meanwhile, our souls go empty or go hungry. And often we find ourselves in that. We don't even realize we're doing it. We're drifting a little bit. Those of us uh, last week who were here uh, saw that uh, we need a reset, and there's three kinds of ways to reset. You can check that out online if you're interested in catching up from last week. But the idea is that there are times where we need resets, and when you and I need a soul reset, it starts to show up on the outside. It can show up with a little bit of anger. It can show up with some frustration. It can show up with some fear. When our soul goes hungry, the emotions that start coming out of us actually are a good thing because they're an indicator that something is going on in our heart. And last week, as we started to introduce this series, we saw that resetting our soul really is about finding that Jesus is the bread of life, that he is the one who satisfies us. In his own words, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Come every day to me, and you will never be hungry. Believe in me, and you'll never be thirsty. And for those of us who are convinced Christ followers, we we hold on to that. We know that in our heads, but occasionally we let it drift from our hearts. And we are hungry, we are thirsty, and we try to fill it with other things. And we find that that really doesn't go too well. And then all of a sudden, there's these hunger uh, expressions that come out in all different kinds of ways. 
And uh, even the person that isn't really convinced just yet can find that uh, the emptiness, the, the, some of the frustration, some of the worry can be rooted in the idea that they are hungry and thirsty and they're trying to fill that hunger and thirst in other places besides looking to the bread of life. Um, and uh, we just have to realize that and have to really understand that. Now, for the next five weeks, what we're going to be looking at are actions or activities that help us in the reset, help us continue on being reset, help satisfy our soul, our heart, to take off the edge of that um, thirst, that, that hunger. And uh, the first one we're going to talk about is fellowship. And if you've been around church at all, sometimes you hear about fellowship. You heard about here maybe most churches have a fellowship hall. Uh, we call ours the common. But this idea of fellowship, uh, some churches actually have the name fellowship in their name. They're Geneva Fellowship or, or whatever, and they have that right in there. And it's this idea of fellowship. And so we think about that, and those of us might think, well, food and fellowship, and maybe it's like games and pizza, and we had some great fellowship. But that word actually is deeper, fuller, and broader. Uh, when, we, when we see fellowship taking place, it's, it's much more than just uh, great pizza and a fun time uh, playing cards or whatever. Uh, it's this idea of something fuller in our lives. And uh, you may uh, be familiar about with this story. It tells of the Dark Lord Sauron and the ring lost for centuries. It now found its way into the hands of the most unlikely person imaginable. What must I do? The ring must be destroyed. I cannot do this alone. You have my sword. And you have my bow. And my axe. The Fellowship of the Rings, the Nine. It, that was a, a bigger deal than just having pizza and playing games. The person had their bow, their sword, their axe. In other words, this fellowship had the actual people. They, had, they were all in, not just along the edges, but they were all in. They had their hearts. So when we start thinking about fellowship, it's not something loosey-goosey. It's just not something that there, there's something deeper and fuller. Uh, Dr. Luke writes about the history of the early church. He writes in Luke in your Gospels, also writes Acts. At one time, Luke and Acts were one book, it's thought, uh, but they split it with the beginning of the church. And as we see in Acts, we see what's going on with the early church. We read this. Whoever made a place for his message, that's Jesus' message, in their hearts were baptized. In fact, that day alone, about 3,000 people joined the disciples. Goes on to say, every believer was faithfully devoted to following the teachings of the apostles. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. A deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers were in fellowship as one body, and they shared all their material possessions in trust. It was an amazing time, and there we have this, this fellowship. This was not a group just getting together for dinner parties, barbecues, 
pigros, whatever. This, this wasn't just a group going hunting together. This was, this was a group that were all in. They were sharing life. They had fellowship. And we're going to see that if you and I want to have a relationship, uh, we want to have a reset, we're going to have to always have this thing called fellowship moving and pulsing in our lives. When we avoid this idea of fellowship, we're going to find that, in a sense, all eight cylinders aren't striking. It doesn't mean you can't grow in your faith. It doesn't mean that you're not going to make progress. But something's off a little bit. Fellowship is just so important. And in our community, in our world, actually, we, we sometimes call fellowship community. And uh, you may remember this, this blast from the past, but you're gonna, I want you to really listen to the words of this opening show, and it was all about community. It starts to scratch the surface of the idea of having um, fellowship. So what is Christian community? This kind of starts to hint to us the ideas that go along with it. Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see our troubles are all the same. Everybody knows your name You want to go where people know People are all the same You want to go where everybody knows your name Now being from Boston, uh, we actually know where that place is. Cheers is what you say there, not cheers. But she is, uh, but uh, you know um, that that story, that idea of having a place to belong, making your way in the world today takes everything you've got, and we understand that, especially in days like now, it takes everything we've got, and we want to take a break from our worries, we want to take a break from our anxieties, and uh, we want a place where we can come and get recharged. And, uh, you know, and that's, that's what we're looking for, and that's what the world's looking for, and that's, that's community, and, and we call it community. But it can go so much farther when you add this idea of fellowship. That's really taking the word community and adding Christ to it, or Christ-centered community. A little working definition for our thought is this, is Fellowship is the mutual bond that Christ followers have with Jesus and others, which flow out of sharing common attitudes, interests, and directions. It's this bond we have. When you and I say yes to Christ, when we join our lives to his, he joins his life to us, we find ourselves with this bond. The Holy Spirit connects us to God, lives with us, and we have this bond and we have this fellowship. But it doesn't just stop with our relationship with God. It also continues on with our relationship with others. And then as we share community, as we have this common drive, we're in a sense rowing in the same direction. As we're rowing in the same direction, we find that these common attitudes and interests and directions happen. And if you've been a Christ follower for just a little while or a long while, 
Hopefully you've experienced these moments, hopefully maybe you're even experiencing now, where you're in fellowship with someone, where you're in fellowship with other Christ followers. Obviously you're in fellowship with God through Christ, but you have these people that come alongside you and encourage you. Sometimes I love the fact of being a part of a community group is that when we're together and we're sharing the things that we're going through and struggling with in this world, what's wonderful about it is that I find out I'm not the only one. And sometimes I have people that are a few years older than me and have been down the road just a little bit longer, and they sometimes share and say, hey, this is what happened when we were like where you guys were at. And, and you're not crazy, and this is what happens. And that, that sharing life together, that having the same attitude, rowing in the same direction, helps me with my soul, helps you with your soul. Uh, as Christ followers, as the children of God, we were never called to be orphanages or orphans. We're, we're called to uh, have connection and have this thing called fellowship. Now, again, when you think of community, I think it's without that, it's kind of like a little step towards it. Uh, when I think of community, you get a little bit of a taste of it. It's almost like uh, sometimes Cindy is cooking uh, whatever. Let's say she's cooking meatballs, and I can smell them in the house, and all oh, that hamburger smells really good, and I go, wow, that smells really good. And all of a sudden, I see her take them out of the, whatever the pan is she's cooking them in, or she sometimes does in the oven, and, and she takes them out, and I see them start putting them on the side. Oh, we're having meatballs. Oh, no, you're not having meatballs tonight. I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, no, this is for like three nights from now or a week from now when we have family, they're going in the freezer. And so I get a smell of it. My stomach gets hungry for it, and there's no meatballs. Very sad thing. That happens every once in a while. And that's kind of what community without the Christ-centeredness is. You get a smell of it. You get a little bit of a taste of it. It's in the air, and, and it, it gets wets your appetite, but it, but it just doesn't, in a sense, close the deal. It doesn't satisfy you see, we need a Christ-centered uh, kind of um, community. We need that kind of a thing. So as we're thinking about community, community is really shaped uh, or um, really has three senses, three components. You might be able to come up with four. You might be say it's only two. But let's just, let's just go with three. And the first one, it seems a little obvious, is this idea of shared life with Jesus. When you have fellowship, when you're in the fellowship, you have a shared life with Jesus. Um, we read this. God, who got you started in this spiritual adventure, because it is an adventure, shares with us the life of his son and our master, Jesus. We will never give up on you. Never forget that, or he will never give up on you. And the idea is that you and I have this fellowship, we have this connection with God. I hope you're even experiencing it this morning as you're singing these songs and they resonate with your heart, and, and you, you just have this connection. Uh, you feel this connection with uh, Jesus. Uh, these verses aren't in your uh, message guide, but if you went to John 5 you or 15, you would hear these concepts come through about abiding in Christ, this idea of being vine and branches. In verse 4, we read, Live in me, make your home in me, just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch can't bear gra grapes by itself, but only being joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. Jesus goes on to say, I am the vine, you are the branches. When you joined with me and I with you, the relational, intimate, and it's the relation is intimate and organic. The harvest is sure to be abundant, separated, you can't produce a thing. 
And this idea is that when you and I are Christ followers, we have fellowship with God and we have shared life with Jesus. Uh, He's at home in our life and we get at home in his life. It's like, uh, you know, as we grow and it's not about cleaning up our life to look a certain way, but there's this idea that when he comes over, you know, he knows, uh, you know, where the bathroom is. He knows that he can open the refrigerator and get a drink. He's at home in your life and vice versa, you're in home with him. And that connection, that fellowship increases over time as you and I grow. So this idea of fellowship is just so important if you and I are going to continue to keep our soul soft, if we're going to have resets with our soul. There's also this idea of, obviously, life shared with each other, that we share life as Christ followers. Now, this does not mean that you don't have friends that aren't Christ followers. We've had other times to talk about how we need to be a part of our communities And we need to be out there, we need to be involved, we need to show up. We've talked about how we want to be a church that if we disappeared, the community would actually miss us. Uh, We want to be that kind of a church. So this is not saying, you know, holy huddle, hunker down, ignore the world. But there is this component that needs to be a part of our life where we fellowship with others. Eric referred about community groups. And uh, community groups is a formal example of that. Sometimes you you don't need a community group. We've got some real dear friends uh, in New Hampshire. And when we hang out with them, it's like we're doing community group. We're talking about the Lord. we're, We're talking about what that person read, what we read, and it's all this is going on naturally and organically. That's the ideal way to do it, but to help us get in that direction, uh, we offer, offer community groups. So this idea, again, of sharing life with each other. Uh, we read in Hebrews 13, 6, make sure you don't take things for granted and go slacking and working for the common good. Share what you have with others. God takes particular pleasure in acts of worship, a different kind of sacrifice that takes place in kitchen and in workplace and on the street. And it's this idea of sharing life together. So if you're a Christ follower, if you're thinking about becoming a Christ follower, we have to understand that fellowship needs to be a part, a rhythm, an activity of our lives. And if it's not a part of our lives, we're going to find that our heart, our soul is hungry and thirsty. You can't get away from it. Yeah, you can do it. You can separate. You can have a bad church experience and pull away. But there's going to be something missing. You're never going to get over that. You know, and I, and I, I might as well say this right here. If, if, if you're not finding that possible at Seneca Community Church... It's so important that we're not about filling a seat, that we want you to find a place where you can grow in your faith, where you can have real fellowship. So I would rather have you find a place that you say, oh, you know, I went to this, this fellowship of tr- this church, and I found a home, and it connects with me. I would rather have that than have someone come week after week after week and not have fellowship, not have this connection where they share life with one another. Now, at the same time as I say that, 
I can remember one time having a conversation. We'll say uh, Abigail was her name. It wasn't really her name. And uh, her husband invited me over because Abigail was not happy with what was going on at uh, church at Centerpoint. And she was just restless. So they had me over for lunch. And we were talking. And it was a very nice lunch. And finally, we got to the place where uh, Abigail started to share about how she just wasn't satisfied with what was going on. And I said, well, I'm, I'm sorry about that. Obviously, as a pastor, that really uh, makes me sad because I want to, on one hand, be all things to all people. I want you to be connected. I want all those things to happen. And, uh, you know, so, so I get that. But then finally I said, I said, uh, Abigail, when was the last time you were actually really happy at a church? For, let's say, five years straight. Five years. And she was in her late... 50s, and so I'm asking her this question, and uh, she goes, uh, well, uh, I mean, happy the whole five years, not go to a church, but actually happy, not that it was perfect, but you were just into it. She goes, well, uh, not since I really was a kid. I go, well, tell me about that. Well, my dad was the pastor, and so I said to Abigail, I said, I may be totally wrong here. Maybe it's not all the churches in southern New Hampshire that have lots of issues, Maybe it's something in your heart. Then I got up and ran out of the house. No, I almost did. Her husband's eyes, because he, he was okay with things, are like, bing, bing, bing. <laughs> you just drop this bomb, Dave, and you just leave. You know, thank you very much. Uh, but he did say that, yeah, I think, he, he said, I think you were on to something, and that's why she wasn't happy about it. She was very polite and all, but... But again, this importance about having fellowship, having connection, um, investing yourself, being a part of a place, and really being a part of a place. The other uh, facet, the other piece of um, fellowship, the uh, third thing we're going to talk about is this idea of shared direction, rowing in the same direction. You ever been in a canoe where your partner that you're paddling with, you guys just are not in sync, you just, you just can't get it. No matter what you do, you thought you were a great canoer, paddler before this event, and you get in there, and you just can't, you can't get the timing right. It, it's just not going right. Sometimes even the canoe rocks a little bit. Uh, it's, it's not a fun experience. When you think about fellowship, one of the beauties of fellowship isn't that you're clones of each other, but in a sense, you're called in the same direction. You're trying to live and follow Christ in the world that we live in. And then you find a group of other people that are trying to do the same thing. And what a joy to, again, be rowing in the same direction, not perfectly all the time, but you're, you're moving in the same direction. You have a shared life direction. And that, again, helps our faith. It helps us grow in our relationship with God. When we have other people that are uh, kind of moving in the same direction, uh, you know, trying to move the ball down the field, if you will, and, and that's, just, that's just a beautiful, beautiful thing to be a part of. Uh, we read in Hebrews uh, 10, 24 through 25, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Now, at first, you might say, well, does that mean coming down on somebody? Well, well sometimes it does, but, but normally, it's motivating to love in good works. Uh, some of you may have seen on uh, Facebook this week, uh, there was an opportunity to uh, just uh, tell the uh, law enforcement of, of Seneca County, state, local, sheriff's department, just that, that we care for them, that we support them as a church. But what was, what was so great is that idea didn't bubble up from me, it bubbled up from one of you. 
And the person said, hey, do you ever think we could put these bags together? I have a friend in another church. And I'm like, that is a great idea. So it wasn't, quote, unquote, the pastor spurring, you know, on to love and good works. It was just a person just thinking about things. And, and, and she got a bunch of people together. And I think they gave 100 bags out of goodies and things like that just to let them know we care for them, we support them, we have their back, and all those kinds of things. And, and that was great. But that happened because of fellowship. That happened because of sharing a purpose. And we articulate our purpose. It isn't the exact perfect way to articulate a purpose. You can say it a bunch of different ways. But we talk about making a difference in people's lives wherever they are. And so that's the way we live out the great commandment and the great commission. So we do that. So having people looking for opportunities is awesome. Uh, not as much this year because of just the change, but uh, the last three or four years, you know, we've gotten backpacks together for the school across the street. Any child, I don't know if it's sixth grade and down, fifth grade and down, that didn't have a backpack and didn't have supplies, we made sure that they had one. And, and it was just a great way. But again, that, those ideas just percolate up from within. So we're, in a sense, uh, motivating one another to live the life that uh, God has called us to live. And, and that is really, really cool when that happens. goes on to say this. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate his return. And that's anticipate Christ's return. Anticipate when he comes back and sets things right. So in the intermediate time, uh, we know that time's short. It's always one day shorter, right? <laughs> and uh, we know that it's short. So what do we do? We have a sense of urgency, and, and we want to encourage each other onward. We want to be growing, and we want to be sharing Christ's love. So it's great when we have the same direction, the same direction. So, so what are the kinds of things that can get in our way when it comes to uh, having a community? What impacts community? And these are going to be very obvious to you, but again, some of these obvious things are obvious up here, but when it gets worked out into our life, there's a disconnect. Uh, we, we hear it, but then we don't stop and say, how do I avoid this? Uh, so the first one would be this, uh, uh, increased mobility. We're mobile, so we come and go. We, we sometimes are moving all the time, uh, you know, from here to there and all this kind of stuff. So we never have enough time in one place. I might actually put a, a forward slash next to that and say increased finances also interferes with that. It means that we've got to be more mobile and do more things uh, so we don't have time to spend with other people because we're always on some other kind of thing. And uh, so we need to be aware of it, that, that a lot of our blessings can become uh, you know, a negative impact when it comes to, in a sense, living out this idea of fellowship. There's also the idea of modern conveniences, uh, you know, um, my dad used to love to tell the story, still loves to tell the story, about how when he was growing up as a kid, you know, there was no air conditioner. So what all the moms would do in the afternoon is they would all get under this big oak tree, about a half a dozen of them, and especially in the summer, and they would, you know, because it was so hot, they would, you know, shuck peas. You know, they'd just be over there, you know, talking and doing all this pea work and all this kind of thing, and they'd be all over there. So once we got air conditioners, once we didn't have to shuck peas, which I'm kind of happy we don't have to do. Some of you like doing that, but, uh, you know, then all of a sudden some of these moms Modern conveniences actually cause us not to be as engaged with people. Uh, text messaging. I love text messaging. Uh, but again, this can be one of those things that can all of a sudden limit our fellowship with other people. 
Uh, I'm sure none of you have ever done this, but sometimes I'm in my home study and I'm in my lazy boy chair working away and I want to ask Cindy a question and I know Cindy's just a couple rooms over and I send her a text and she sends me a text back and, you know, and I, and I want short answers and, you know, and all this kind of thing, you know, and it just, uh, modern convenience stopped me from getting up and actually saying hi to her and having the opportunity to steal a kiss when I see her. So, you know, some of these things get in the way. We just need to be aware of them. Also, obviously, there's this whole idea of rise in social media, all these ways to connect, and if we're not careful, we find that that actually limits connection. It limits the opportunity. Uh, sometimes I, I, I make sure when I have some kind of piece of news that I don't post it on Facebook, I call a couple people because I think they want to hear it from my lips, just not read it on Facebook, because I'm supposedly a part of their lives, and they are part of my lives. This kind of facilitates this whole thing that uh, when we are, we are the most co connected, in a sense, we're, but we're the most disconnected people of all time. We're the most connected, disconnected people of all time. We have all these connections. We know, I know things that are going on in friends of my life from high school and all this stuff. Uh, probably never see them again, probably never talk with them, but, but I know what's going on in their lives. And so we're connected, but we're really, we're really not connected. So we just need to really be aware of that. So what are some of the benefits of community? Uh, what, what does that do? We've kind of touched on them a little bit, but I'd like to give you uh, four things to uh, think about. And again, as we're thinking about community, we need to realize that um, you are one community away from changing the course of your life. You're one community away from changing the course of your life. One Christian community, I'm going to say. If you are traveling and rowing in the same direction, having fellowship with a, a bunch of other Christ followers, you're going to find how that can hopefully positively impact your life. And in other messages about community groups, I've talked to you how I have been in community groups and had these relationships and this fellowship, and I've actually seen some people, older and younger, say some things in community group that made my eyes open a little bit and go, oh, I didn't think about that before. And I didn't think about that, now I'm going to think about it. Thank you very much. And it actually changed the course of my life to some degree. And we all know if you change it one degree here and keep traveling, you know, miles down the road, it's, it's significantly different. So this idea of having fellowship. Well, first of all, it, it makes you better. It actually does make you better. It makes me better. One of the things we like about having a plurality of leadership at Seneca Community Church is because we get together, there's eight of us in the room, and the theory is that as we walk through situations, as we share life, as we talk about things of the church, is that it actually makes us better. We actually make better decisions together than by ourselves as an individual. So when you're a part of a fellowship, when you have that kind of thing going on, it makes you and I better. Obviously, it helps you find spiritual strength. Uh, there are times where uh, you're just feeling low. Uh, it may not even be a big, huge thing, but you're just feeling low. And all of a sudden, you find those that are in your fellowship, whatever that looks like. Again, it doesn't have to be a group. It can be a, you can serve with these people. Uh, they can be friends from college. They can, you know, but but you're, you, you have this going. Community groups is just an expression of that. But they help you find spiritual strength. 
what joy it brings to me when I'm connecting with someone and, and they, they, they see that there's something heavy on my heart and, and they pray for me. And uh, that, that just kind of gives me the strength uh, to keep going. I have a friend, I got a call out of the blue this week, and we were on the phone for a little while, and uh, uh, just, just, just encouraging me in this season of life. It gives you spiritual strength. And I don't know about you, but, but I need spiritual strength. God intended us to get spiritual strength from those in our life. And so when we don't have that kind of fellowship, that kind of Christian uh, community, uh, we're, we're in a sense really uh, um, at a disadvantage when it comes to walking with God. God wanted us to be, in a sense, a part of his family, and family means relationships. Um, also, uh, they tell you the truth. Sometimes that hurts a little bit, hurts a lot, but they tell you the truth. And some of us, some of us absolutely need somebody in our life who tells us the truth. We don't want it because we know it's going to hurt, but we, but we need those people that can say, Dave Spencer, you are out of line. They say it nicely. They don't make me cry too much, but they say it to me. We need people in our lives that help tell the truth. Now, that can happen on a community level, but again, if we want to share direction, we want to have it happen on a Christian community level. Uh, as the Big Bang Theory TV show wrapped up, the star of the show wins the Nobel, Peace Prize, or Nobel uh, Science Prize. He's, he's just after that all of his life, and uh, he's pretty arrogant if you've watched him and operate here and there. But it's interesting. All of a sudden, there's this moment where they, they've told him the truth, and in his most celebrated moment, this is his response. This honor doesn't just belong to me. I wouldn't be up here if it weren't for some very important people in my life. I was under a misapprehension that my accomplishments were mine alone. Nothing could be further from the truth. I have been encouraged, sustained, inspired, and tolerated not only by my wife, but by the greatest group of friends anyone ever had. And they can't believe that he's saying that. You see, we need friends, we need community, we need fellowship. And if you're a Christ follower, you need Christian fellowship, Christian community. But it's not also what we need, it's what you and I give away. People are enriched as you join in their life. It's hopefully not a one-way street. It's a two-way street. Every once in a while, and you've heard me say this before, the girls are seeming to me being a little selfish. Of course, they're never that way now that they're all grown up and all that kind of thing. And I'll say, you know, they got streets named after you one way. And they, go, they, they, can, they know what's coming. They mouth it to me and roll their eyes. But uh, the reality is, though, it needs to be a two-way street. You actually enrich the people that you're a part of. It's just not so that you can get. It's so that you can give. 
And again, I want to say this. If you are trying to actively grow in your relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and you don't have the rhythm of fellowship, you're not moving in that direction, you're going to find that the resets, you're going to find the hunger and thirst of your soul it's just, just overwhelming. You're going to find that Jesus, the bread of life, the manna, just, it just doesn't settle it all down because as a Christ follower, a part of that manna, a part of that, uh, that, uh, that, that spiritual bread, if you will, the bread of life, is this idea that we're not alone, that we have this fellowship that includes God, includes others, and then also includes the idea of rowing in the same direction. I like what uh, John, actually I don't really like what John Piper says, but uh, I think it's uh, pertinent. Every exchange with others counts for eternity. We are either weakening people's affections for God or strengthening them. Weakening them or strengthening them. And when I read that, I go, wow, I, I need to hear that. Am I really a guy that strengthens people or weakens people? Am I that, maybe publicly I come across that way, but I am that way at home. Do I strengthen my wife's faith or do I weaken it because of my behavior, because of my selfishness, whatever you want to call it, or do I strengthen it? Uh, Really, this fellowship has that part in there. And we can help people grow. Bottom line is this. Community impacts continuity. If you want continuity in your relationship with God, you need to have this idea of community, Christian community. It's not going to happen if you just kind of put that on the shelf. You're going to be out of whack just a little bit. And then going along with that, life is better connected. Let's pray. Great Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for your love for us. Uh, we thank you for opportunities to, again, uh, just remind ourselves who you are, uh, to have our eyes open to the way you work in our lives. And we would just ask you to help each one of us to digest where we are in this thing with fellowship. Have we even said yes to you? Are we joined to you? Have we, have we placed our trust in you? And if we have... Are we regularly trusting you? Are we joined to you? Are we finding ourselves giving and receiving in relationship because we're rowing in the same direction? Lord, uh, all of us from time to time need a, a kind of reset in our life, sometimes dramatic, sometimes not so dramatic. But help us to see that fellowship is a part of that process. We thank you in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.